to another episode of the JS Transcription Clinic live. Today I'm very excited because I've been working on this solo that I'm going to present today for quite a while because it was super challenging and I never did anything like that before. So uh, before we go uh, and we dive into his solo, let me just bit about this track. So the saxophone player in question is Illinois Jacket and as you can see here this is a little bit of notes on the program. It was a concert that he did on the French TV, the public French TV and uh, at La Maison de la Radio in Paris. Uh, so the musicians is a trio, um, uh, tenor saxophone, organ, Hammond organ, and a drummer. So the saxophone, of course, is Jean-Baptiste Illinois Jacquet, or Jacket, if you pronounce with the American pronunciation. And the organist is Will Davis, and Art Bati is the drummer. So uh, there are a little bit of notes on the life of Illinois Jacket, who is considered the first R&B saxophone player. And he is um, very much identifiable with his honky sound and all his bluesy uh, tricks that uh, hopefully I'm going to, to show you and talk about those in a moment. So he uh, started playing at a very young age when his friend, it is said here, a young Nat King Cole, introduced him to a musician called Lionel Hampton. And you should be familiar with those names. Who was looking to fill spaces in a big band. Jacket took up the mantle as soon became a star tenor saxophonist, mainly due to his signature honking solo he played on the track Flying Home. Credited as the first R&B saxophone solo and precursor to rock and roll, Jacket was expected to bring the house down every night and, at just 19 years old, that is exactly what he did. And so we go back to uh, his solo. This is the solo that I already transcribed. And it took me a while just because, uh, as you will see, from a notational point of view, so no choices are very simple. It's basically a long stream of um, uh, use of the pentatonic scale or the blues scale. But the blues inflections are what really haunted me uh, when transcribing this solo. I tried to be as accurate as I could in this transcription, so all the scoops and the falls are marked and a little bit of pronunciation is marked down. But guys, it's really impossible to write everything down. Uh, you have to listen and you have to learn the sound and try to replicate on your horn or on your instrument if you are playing it on a trumpet, a trombone, or guitar, bass, or piano, whatever you play this solo on, just try to get the vibe. But I really think, and I'm really convinced now also that I tried to play and to learn this solo, 
that uh, if you want to learn how to play the blues, this is a great starting point because there is a lot of the essence, especially on a horn like the tenor saxophone. So first of all, let me mention a couple of things that he's constantly doing. So I will just move the microphone a little bit away so that the tenor doesn't uh, get distorted, hopefully. So first thing that he does, he growls a lot into the instrument. And how do we growl? Uh, well, I just simply do uh, while I'm playing. And that way, right, I can growl. So you will hear a lot of that in this solo. And then a lot of scoops. So almost every time that Illinois Jacket starts a line, uh, he plays a scoop, most likely with his lip. So different from people like Coltrane, who was using 90% uh, of the times his fingers to create the scoop. And probably Coltrane wanted to be more precise, but Illinois Jacket wanted to be really, really bluesy. So every time he starts a line, he does. And very often at the end of the phrases, he does a fall like. Which is similar to people like Dexter Gordon. Right. You remember the famous solo on Blue Bossa. At the end. Uh, so all those inflections and nuances are what we are uh, learning here and what we want to learn because the language is in those nuances. So if you want to really learn all those tricks and, and pieces, uh, we need to be really precise on how we play uh, those lines. Then uh, Illinois Jacket plays really a lot in the high register with uh, some excursions into the altissimo fingerings. Like here in the third chorus, you can see a top A flat. <laughs> another section when he hits uh, this one altissimo A and altissimo D so it was pretty rare in those years people playing at the top there and being able to articulate in that octave but he does it beautifully Other tricks that I can mention are this trill that he plays uh, with a note B. So he's going up chromatically, F sharp, G and G sharp, and he tremulous with a B. So I believe this is 
like pretending to be a guitar. It's an effect that uh, a lot of guitar players in the blues tradition uh, play. So I think this came out just trying to reproduce that sound. Maybe Illinois Jacket was transcribing some guitar play. We don't know. But it's similar to a trick that Cannonball Adderley is using on the alto, uh, trembling with this key, the top F or the top E uh, on the saxophone. And he's going from like B flat, B, C and C sharp. <laughs> Right, all those little tricks you can learn by transcribing. And maybe, you know, I'm, I don't know if he was doing with that key. This is how I found out that uh, works for me to reproduce that sound. Another thing that I want to mention is that I had to compromise a lot and a lot more than usual on this solo, just because when you play the blues at such a slow tempo, because I, I will play in a minute, but they play really, really slow. Of course, the player is using the space a lot. So six tuplets, five tuplets, and combination of things. And many times I had just to write a simpler version of a phrase, something that sounded more <laughs> like what they play like if, if i play from here for right so you have to find your way look, look at this you know five inside the triplet it's, So when you face uh, a solo on a ballad or in this case on a very slow blues uh, tempo, uh, you need to accept the fact that you can't write it precisely. Like a computer would probably write completely different, but then becomes unreadable. So the compromise is something that we need to be aware of when we transcribe uh, this kind of solo. And it's acceptable. Once you learn the sound, you probably won't read it anymore, right? So um, I think I will start playing from here and maybe I will stop um, when we go through and talk about it if I hear something uh, that is worth mentioning. Like the first bar he plays pentatonic and second bar he's already into the blues scale resolving. <laughs> oh, another thing, big vibrato. Those guys knew how to vibrate on the tenor, right? And listen to the vibrato on this long note. I love that. Huh. Huh. And another thing I notice every time he plays the F sharp for the tenor, so it's the major third of the dominant chord, he just 
plays a big scoop, but it's like he's not reaching the actual um, F sharp, the actual major chain, but he's a tiny little bit flat. So he, he doesn't get to the point where he hits a very precise major third, but it's actually pretty cool. Because the essence of the blues, remember, the blue note is not just a minor third, it's something in between the minor and the major third. So probably in the case of Villino's jacket, he wanted to, to hit a real blue note. some tricks that even Joshua Redman is using. So this D is played with the um, with a side D. Uh, where is the plus sign? Uh, I can't see it. Where is it? Uh, here. Uh, so with the side D so from that note you can glisse down to b and back up to d this is what he does listen he hits the D in the normal way so there is a change in the sound second bar of the second chorus which is pretty similar to this note to this phrase in the first chorus you can see the first one was and this one is right so never be scared of repeating yourself Please. 
to almost mold the notes to to like if he's got some I don't know some, some uh, pace then and, and he's melting the notes into each other well it's almost a singer you know these are the things that the R&B singers are doing. isn't it that's gorgeous that you have that ability of you know playing such a bluesy a line it's almost a scream up there right beautiful on the second bar creates a lot of tension and I love this one. This is a line that reminds a lot of a bebop language. So, you know, those guys, despite he's using the majority of pentatonic and blues scale, but they knew the language. So this is working on the uh, bebop scale and he has uh, also an enclosure, semitone up, semitone down to the C. And then plays this altered uh, arpeggio. So I should have called it probably I sharp because he thinks D7 sharp 5 right to resolve on B and what I like here is that he drops a bomb on the low B flat and then resolves on B natural on a mezzo piano dynamic so so let's listen again to this. And now 
he plays on a stop chorus, so the rhythm section stops. from D to A and back to uh, D again and then he hits a very hard note on D and does a slap probably on low B low B flat I'm not sure about that and then finishes on a F sharp <laughs> It's very difficult, but those those tricks. to bring back the rhythm section and to start a new chorus and get the people applauding and cheering you I can't think of any other thing and if you look at the notes it's the most simplest thing you can come up with on the final four bars of the blues right <laughs>
so you you can uh, see and you can hear the the tension that he creates so this is another stop chorus where they go even the beat stays the same but instead of thinking of the triplet they go so and big big tension there and then all the tricks you know he's preparing the finale this is the last one my playing on the blues and we go searching for the best lines you know substitutions and chromaticism and of course you, you can have all those approaches there's nothing wrong but I think uh, that uh, we need also to go back to our roots you know when we um, let me make it a little bit bigger this one all right so, oh, because I changed it, sorry. That's why, because I was editing. I uh, make it, yeah. All right. And so it, it's good to go back, you know, to the real roots of the blues. And I think this is a great example. So before we finish, I'll try to play the whole solo and you have to be patient with me I haven't had you know six months of time to prepare it and to memorize it so I'm still reading it so there will be some flaws for sure but I'll, I will keep practicing and I will keep trying to learn it in a proper way hmm? and of course as you know uh, probably now please subscribe to my channel podcast. and if you want to download this solo or other solos that I have presented in the past you can pop onto my website uh, www.mircoguerrini.com there is a whole section dedicated to transcriptions and you can download uh, the part in concert or B flat or E flat and a small donation will be much appreciated thank you and let's play the blues. Uh, let me go from here. So. <laughs> Ah, 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 ah,
Oh, my God.
is so challenging, so challenging. There is so much to work, but at the same time, there is so much to learn, right? So I will probably record also an episode on the series Practice with the Jazz Giants, and I will put this solo on. And uh, there is no need probably to uh, practice this one at like 70% or 60% speed. Uh, but there is maybe a chance to practice chorus by chorus and to go a little bit deep in detail. So I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, transcription and this and I'll see you and hear you next time. Of course, if you have suggestions, comments, uh, they will be much appreciated. I really enjoyed a lot playing this solo and spend this time with you. So see you next time. Bye.